0: Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, RenewalChicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Amen. Well, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. I've been enjoying this series, the Sermon on the Mount walking through the Beatitudes and now these antithesis statements where Jesus is confronting the teaching of old and he's, he's correcting it a bit. Today will be that last one of those teachings. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and meet me there in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. And once you have it, I'm going to say, go ahead and stand to your feet Um, As we hear now the reading of God's word, I'm going to welcome my daughter Eliana up here because she's going to read the scripture for us today, being that it's Family Sunday. Hear now the reading of God's word starting in verse 43
1: you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust for you love those who love you what reward do you have? Do not even the tax, collector, tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing, to, doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. They, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect.
0: Amen. Amen. Very word of God. Today I want to preach on the topic, how deep is your love? How deep is your love? I can sing that. How deep is your love? Come on now. So this is what I want you to do. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, How deep is your love? Now turn the other way. Black church exercise. Come on, other way and say, How deep is your love? How deep is your love? Amen. Let's pray before we see. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You're an awesome God. We thank you for just all that you've done for us, for loving us in a way that we couldn't even love ourselves or others. God, the fact that you saw us in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our depravity, you said, that's my creation, that's my son, that's my daughter, and you You worked in our hearts to draw us to Yourself. God, You are a good God who looks low, doesn't just see our mess, but loves us in our mess. God, I just pray right now as I preach, God, that You speak with my mouth, that You think with my mind, God, that You be lifted up in this place, that it wouldn't be me, God. Hide me behind Your cross so that folks will hear from You this morning. God, we thank You for who You are, and it's in the mighty and magnificent name of Jesus that we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Well, how many of us have seen the movie Cinderella? Go ahead, it's Family Sunday, you don't have to be shy. Y'all can tell me the truth this morning. How many of y'all seen Cinderella? Some of y'all guys, I know that was your favorite movie growing up. (laughs) Cinderella, Cinderella, y'all remember Gus Gus, all of them singing the song Cinderella. Y'all seen Cinderella before? Well, in the latest remake of Cinderella, in the movie her dying mother gives her some words when She's passing away. Y'all remember the words she says? Nobody. Okay, she says, always have courage and be kind. You see, throughout the movie, Ella, her name in the movie, instead of Cinderella, she is remembering these words. But I want to say she doesn't just remember these words, she lives by these words because whatever happens to her, she's always courageous and kind. Y'all going to have to go with me this morning. These had to be the words that she remembered when her father remarried this mean stepmother. Then he dies and this mean stepmother starts to be mean towards Cinderella. Remember those words, always have courage and be kind. See, these had to be the words that she remembered when she was made to cook and clean and after all of her messy stepsisters and her mean stepmother, and then taking her room away to make her live in the attic with the mice. Always have courage and be kind. See, these had to be the words she remembered when she had this beautiful dress that was made for the ball, but her mean stepsisters start ripping it to shreds. Remember those words, always have courage and be kind. These had to be the words when that prince is wandering around all over the kingdom trying to find this woman that he fell in love with who fits this glass slipper and she's locked in her room, key thrown away, stepmother has it, she can't get out of the room, always have and be kind. See, family, this is what I'm trying to get at in all of this. All that Cinderella went through, all the evil, all of the persecution – with all of that happening to her, she never stopped being courageous and kind to others. You see, the question that we have to answer this morning is despite what someone's doing to us, despite the evil they do towards us, the persecution we take, when we are around people that are as hateful as Cinderella's relatives, can we still be kind? Can we still be courageous? Can we still love them? see Jesus in this passage is questioning how deep is your love do you just love when it's convenient to you or could you love when someone's being evil to you could you love when someone's persecuting you are you kind and courageous even with your enemy are you kind and courageous to love that person that is persecuting you friends I'm going to ask you again how deep is your love Is it shallow or does it run deep? Past what somebody does to you, is your love deep? In our passage today, Jesus is continuing with this same string of thoughts where he's continued to take that reasoning that people have preached or people have said uh, throughout the ages, the teachers have taught it as if if it was absolute truth. And he's saying, he's taking it and he's taking this conflicting truth or this, this, this truth that's not necessarily what God actually said. And he's bringing us back to the original meaning These are these anti-thesis statements where Jesus is doing this. This is the last one today where we've looked at all of the ones in the past. We looked at anger. We looked at lust, divorce, oaths. Last week we looked at retaliation. And this week we're talking about loving your enemies. Now this, when I say anti-thesis, if you didn't catch it now, he's correcting what the people of old have already been teaching. They took it as absolute, but he's correcting them or bringing them back to what God actually meant for this truth to mean in the beginning. But y'all, this one today is tough. This is a tough teaching because the common misconception with this one was this understanding that because God hates evil, that means that God hates the one that does evil. So what happened is the people, because of this misunderstanding, what they did is they went around and, and they started hating anybody that did wrong. Now hear me, nowhere in the text of the Bible is that warranted by God, that type of hatred. I mean, people made it their job to hate people that they thought did evil in God's sight. I mean, Jews would run around and, and if you weren't Jewish, they called you a dog. How many of y'all would like to be called a dog? No, right? Because a, a lot of us aren't Jewish in here. I mean, so we would be considered dogs in their eyes, right? I, I'm not trying to be called a dog. They, they, they deemed anybody that wasn't Jewish as evil. So they looked down upon them. They, were not, they, they, they weren't worthy of God's saving. They weren't worthy of God, period. And here's the problem. This still exists in today's society. And I'm not just talking about Jewish people. People hate one another because of what they deem as evil. And notice that I didn't say what they hate people because of what God deems as evil. Nowadays, this happens on both sides of the coin. People are hated because of what they believe, whether it's the Bible or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's to the point that Christians would rather not even state that they're a believer because in many cases, it automatically labels you as a person who's narrow-minded, and doesn't respect others' views. I mean, people are now afraid to share their faith because they don't want to intrude on someone's personal, private space. But everybody can intrude on yours. I mean, we want to be liked, right? Society has, 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 has shifted so much Because of this hatred, many, much of it is because of the Christians that have hated people of old, a hatred towards other people, that now the Christian is more worried about being liked by people than sharing truth. Now, this is problematic because Jesus in the scriptures nowhere walks around trying to be liked by people. In fact, he knew that people would hate him, but yet he still dies. He still takes the sins of the world to the cross. He still loves even when people hate him. My point in this is that sharing your faith as a Christian can be sweet or it can be repulsive. It all depends on the person's heart who you're sharing with, where their heart is at that time and moment. If God has worked in their heart, then the gospel, when you're sharing it with them, it will be sweet. It'll be a sweet taste. It'll be a sweet aroma. But if their heart is hard and God hasn't necessarily worked in their heart, then it's going to be repulsive. They're not going to like it. People will not like what you have to say. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, he says it this way. Look at it with me. He says, success in witnessing is sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. Let me say that again. He says, success in witnessing is sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God, which means that it's not up to the Christian to save somebody. It's not up to you to have the most eloquent words. It's not up to you to be living the holiest life. You need to live as God has called you to, but it's not all the way up to you. God doesn't call Christians to save others, but to just be faithful witnesses. But the problem is, again, Christians have been beat down so much. Yeah? To the point that we don't want to share our faith. We'd rather just blend in. We don't want to be noticed by anybody. We don't want anybody to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want to disrespect anybody. Now, Now, let's go to the other side of the coin, too. Because if someone's a liar, someone's a thief or a murderer, or doing anything else that the Bible calls sin, that doesn't mean that Christians are to hate that person or ostracize that person. Because hear me, hear me, we all have been in sin. We all have missed the mark of holiness. None of us are holier than thou. We all have missed that mark. And number two, God calls us to love one another and not hate. Now, hear me, though, don't get this mixed up. As I mentioned last week, friends, this doesn't mean to feel or empathize to the point where you get rid of biblical standards and become okay with sin. You do you, I do me, oh, that's your truth, this is my truth, I'm cool, we can love each other and be all hunky-dory. That's not love. That's not true love. If you're a Christian and you know the truth of Jesus Christ, you know that he saved you out of your mess the place that you once were, that place that kept you in that darkness. You know what it's like now to be in Jesus, the joy you have in Jesus, the fact that he's promised you eternity with him in heaven. No pain, no sorrow, no sadness, no tears. You know that Jesus is bringing you to that place. So if you being a Christian is now in a relationship with somebody, a friendship with somebody, and you see them overtly living not according to the word of God, and you know this goodness, but you do not share it with them. You don't let them see your deeds. You don't let them see the word of God. That's hatred. That's hatred. That's not love. Okay, some of y'all didn't go with me on that. I'm going to make it plain a little bit. It's kind of like somebody who's been eating McDonald's their whole life. Some of y'all had McDonald's this morning. I mean, you. some people love McDonald's. And we know them, somebody, you, you know that person, maybe it was you too. you grew up on McDonald's, that, that person, your friend is eating McDonald's every day, quarter pounder here, quarter of there, two cheeseburger, not the one meal, the two cheeseburger meal, and then they get, the, they get the breakfast all day too, they know the whole menu by heart. And you grew up the same way, but yet now you, you've elevated your game now, you, you've educated yourself in a good hamburger, one that's not microwaved or frozen ever, so you go to Five Guys. You go to all Cheval, small Cheval. You, you're taking it to a whole nother level with your burger now. That, it's not $2. It's, it's $12 now. You, you, you got the good burger in your system, the, the juiciness, the sautéed mushrooms, the sautéed onions. You've, you fell in love with this good burger. The goodness, some of y'all saliva is, is draining right now because y'all want that burger, right? And, and see, but you know the goodness. But you don't share it with that person that's eating McDonald's their whole life. Y'all, that ain't right. That's not, that's hatred. They need to taste the goodness too. Okay, okay, let me give you one more. Some of us are parents in here. There's parents in here. So you can get this one. um, My, it's kind of like my my daughter, one of my daughters going to touch a, a hot stove. They're going to touch the hot stove and me being a loving father, right? I'm sitting there watching her walk towards the stove and I let her go touch the the hot stove and then afterwards I'm like, see, you learned your lesson. That's not love, that's hatred. But instead, if I'm gonna love my daughter, I'm gonna say, no, do not touch that stove and then I'm gonna tell her why not to touch the stove because it's hot and it's going to burn you if you touch it. Now that doesn't mean she won't go do it anyway. But I loved her enough to tell her, don't touch the stove because it's hot. I shared it with her. I loved her. You see where I'm going with all this? See, hear me. This does not mean beat people down with truth. But a Christian should not be able to blend in with society. People should notice something different. As Jesus said, you being a Christian, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Family, to love someone is to speak truth, but embody grace at all times. Because we all are sinful and in daily need of Jesus. What these passages are saying is to love regardless of where a person is in hopes that through your love one will see Jesus. We're not called to judge. We're not called to hate. God will judge one day. But until then the Christian love people. See, when I think of this passage and what God is talking about here, what Jesus says is that, and I I commonly think of my wife, and sometimes I'll catch my wife in the room just, she's, she's crying and praying all at the same time, and when I used to find her doing this, I used to be confused, like, what is going on? But I've come to find out that in those times when she's crying and praying at the same time, her her heart is conflicted because she's overwhelmed with the state of the world, the pressures, the the, the problems in the world, the murder rate, the homelessness, the people that may not know Jesus. She's overwhelmed with what's happening in the world, the politics, everything that's happening in the world. But at the same time, she's conflicted and overwhelmed because she, she, she loves Jesus. She knows the joy of Jesus in her heart. See, she and what's happening is she's seeing all these problems, all of the sin, all of the problems of the world, the wiles of the world, and she's saying, I see all of that, God, but how, how I want them all to know Jesus. How do I do this? She's overwhelmed with it. And see, see, family, I'm not trying to make my wife a saint in any kind of way because here's the thing: he, because this is for all of us. When you have a true experience with Jesus, when you when you know what Jesus has saved you from. The fact that he steps out of heaven and sees you in the midst of your mess. He dies for you. When you understand what he saved you from and how much he's loved you, you can't help but to cry out looking at the world and all the problems saying, I want everyone to know Jesus too. I want them to know the joy of Jesus too. I mean, this is what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6. This is what happens with him when he comes face to face with God. He says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. You notice, Isaiah doesn't just say, woe is me, look at my mess. But he sees all the mess of the other people around him. So when God says, who will I see? And Isaiah's is not like, man, these people are so grimy. They're so messed up. Ugly, I can't believe they did that. Man, they hurt me. I'm not sharing anything with them. This goodness, no. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. I will go. He says, send me, God. God has called believers to see the mess in our lives. But at the same time, hope through belief in Jesus and then said, go share that same hope with others that need to know him. No matter where they are. Because you were once too in that same mess. That's love. But see, folks, of old in this passage, they had misconstrued God's hatred towards evil to make it mean hate those that don't obey what the Lord says do. And he, he never commanded that in Scripture. There's no way in Scripture, no place in Scripture, he commands you to hate people. But instead, to love one another. Because here's the thing. If we're, we're supposed to hate people, all the people that did anything wrong, that are evil, that are sinful, that have persecuted people, we're supposed to hate everybody out there. You know what that would mean? That we got to hate, hate everybody, including ourselves. That, that's not what God's, God's calling us to do. He's not saying hate everyone. He's saying go love, because here's the fact. We're all messed up. We have missed the mark. Now, again, as I said last week, this is tough. This is one of the hardest scriptures to live out because it's, it's totally opposite of human nature. It's contrary. Because if you hit me, I want to hit you back. You kick me, I want to kick you back. If you hurt me, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking to love you. No, I don't, I don't want to love you. There's something within me that wants revenge. I, I want to retaliate. That, that's what, that, when we're hurt, we want to, we want to re- return the favor. We want to hurt too. It's not natural to just say, I want to love. That, that, that's not what we necessarily want to do. So you may be sitting there saying, okay, well then, what does this really look like? How, how do I love those that are evil? To me, how do I do that? Again, this doesn't mean just throw biblical truth or biblical standards out the window and say, your own truth is your own truth. I'm going to love you just that way. I'm going to do that. No, no, that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. He helps illustrate this and he brings understanding to this. Look at the Bible. Look at uh, verses 44 through 45. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Friends, what Jesus is saying is that by loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you, you're showing that you're a son or a daughter of God. Now, I know some of you are saying, okay, I could read that myself, Pastor D, so what does that actually look like? What does that mean? Jesus answered this and he says, God makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on them both too, which means that even though people may do wrong in God's sight, there is still this thing called common grace that he bestows to all. Jesus is saying God shows his love for all people by the sun simply shining. He shows his love towards you by you simply getting up this morning. He shows his love towards you by you having breath in your lungs, by your limbs working. That's his love. See, these are common graces that God bestows to all. And and even the good, the good and the evil, the same. Now, why is this important? This is important to understand because just like with Sodom and Gomorrah, if you look at the Old Testament where he set the whole city on fire because they were living in sin, they were doing evil. Or Noah's Ark where he floods the whole earth to start over again because they again are living in sin. They're, they're evil. See, God could have done the same thing. He could have easily looked at us and saw us in our mess, saw us in our sin, and said, look, I'm, gonna just, I'm done with this. They, 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 they went against me again. I'm going to wipe them all off. But, but instead, God looks at us with love. And what does he do this time? He extends common grace. Common grace. He, he still loves us enough to, to, to even though he died, and you may not believe in him yet, there's common grace because you're still here. See, he spends, spends, extends common grace and love to all humanity. See, it's the common grace where we recognize the love of God around us. When we understand those common graces, we get to see his love everywhere. You may have woke up this morning and you sore, you know, it rained or something, and you're like, oh, my gosh, but you still got up. You may be sick, feeling you don't feel good, but you're not dead. You see, we get to experience the common graces all around us, and that's God loving us regardless of where we are. And with this, Jesus is saying, if God, who cannot stand the stench of sin, he's holy, doesn't have one ounce of sin in him. If God, who's not sinful, can love people in their wickedness enough to share common grace with all, then the believer who once was in sin, who is now saved, can love someone who has done evil to them, can love someone who has persecuted them, Because God has loved you that much. Friends, hear me. If we realize and never forget how much we're loved despite us, then it makes it really hard to not love someone who's done wrong to us. Because we understand how much we've been loved and how much we've wronged wronged God, but he's loved us. See, but what happens is we, the believer, we commonly forget how God saved us. That lifestyle we shouldn't have been living, and God pulls us up out of that. That down-and-out place we were in, that that pulls us out of that. The, The way we used to wrong people. See, we forget those places we used to be. Friends, what I'm getting at is that when we live from a place of understanding our sin but yet still being loved by an almighty and awesome God, we can't help but to love and share our lives with others. Again, it's just like that juicy burger, that goodness that you've tasted, graduating from McDonald's to the real thing. You're like, man, and the goodness, it's so overwhelming, you can't help but to tell somebody else about it. It's the same thing with the goodness of the gospel. It's too great to hold within. Jesus continues, and he makes it plainer because he, he, he knew some of y'all probably sitting there saying, well, but I get it. I get where you're going with this, but I don't know if I can love somebody who's evil, especially when they've done evil to me. I don't know if I could do that. I'm just love those people who love me. So Jesus answers that, and he says, well, don't just love the people who love you for what reward is in that? Don't the tax collectors do that? Now, friends, tax collectors were some of the most hated people in society because of how they stole from people and extorted folks. I mean, nowadays, we still don't like paying our taxes. How many of y'all like April 15th? Like, oh, my gosh, not again. I had to pay my taxes. Nobody likes paying taxes. It's not a fun season. I mean, so when Jesus says tax collectors, by using them as a reference, he's saying even the bottom of the barrel... The ones that you don't like, they love their own. So the Christian most definitely should be distinct from them. And Jesus keeps going further as if that's not enough. And he says, if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Now, this word greet here refers to more than just someone saying hello. But it's more so a heartfelt expression of desire for another person's welfare. You're caring for their well-being now. Again, he's saying everyone cares for their own. But a true disciple or follower of Jesus is more to it. But you still may be saying, okay, how does one love more? How do I love the evil person? Do I love the person that's been evil to me? How do I love the person who's been persecuting me? I, I don't get it. y'all hear me. It goes back to what I spoke a few weeks about, a few weeks ago about, when I talked about anger. because it's like I said earlier, you can hate the sin, you can hate the action, you can hate evil, but Jesus says to the believer to love people. So, so how does one be angry and not sin, like the Bible says, or in, in this case, how, how do you not hate an evil person? Hear me, because you you may have not been here when I talked about anger a few weeks ago. Here's the thing. There is a big difference between anger, being angry at a person, or being angry at the actual action or the sin. There's a a big difference. Sometimes we lump the two together. There's got to be a distinction between the two, angry at the person or angry at the actual sin when it's righteous anger. That's, that's righteous anger, where there's a distinction between the two. See, righteous anger is anger towards sin and not the person. Because the person, or all of us for that matter, we're sinful. Which means we're all going to mess up. We're all going to fall short. We're all going to sin. So, for instance, as I said a few weeks ago, when I'm talking about murder in the Sermon on the Mount, this one's tough. But I can be mad at the actual sin of murder, but to meet the person that committed the actual action with contempt, hatred, being harsh towards them. Now in my own anger, I'm actually committing murder in my heart and in my mind, therefore I'm sinning too. Again, Jesus is saying it's okay to be mad at the actual sin. It's okay to be mad at evil. It's okay to be mad at the wrongdoing. But for the person who commits it, we need to meet that person with compassion, with love and sorrow. Here's why before you tune me out. Because you once were in that same place. You once were the same person that hurt people. You once were the person that persecuted people. You once were the person that murdered people in your heart and in your mind. And Jesus still stepped in and saved you. Now hear me, that's hard. Because if someone hurts or murders somebody I care about, I'm gonna be upset. I'm gonna be mad. Which gets at the whole premise of the Sermon on the Mount which is that it's impossible for one to keep the law in its truest sense and not fall short. See, the folks of old, they're taking the teaching of the Bible and they're dumbing it down. They're dumbing down the truth of the law to fit into their own understanding or in their own attainable righteousness. When in actuality, the law of God was supposed to show us our need need for more than we bring to the table. It, it was to show us our need for Jesus because the law requires perfection. And, and none of us in here perfect. You may have walked in like my stuff don't stink. You may stink now because it's hot. But you, you walked in like my stuff don't stink. But all of us stanky. And I didn't say stink. You stanky. Turn to your neighbor and say, you stink. We all stanky. We're not perfect. And that's what God's trying to get at in the law. He's trying to say, look, look, you're not perfect. There's something more that you need. Galatians 3.24 says, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. The New American Standard says tutor instead of guardian, where this verse lets us know that all of the laws in the Old Testament they're there, although, and, and believers are supposed to follow them. We're, we're supposed to walk according to them, but we're never supposed to fulfill them. We can't do it. They were supposed to keep us or tutor us or guard us until Christ came, because through them we'll see that we need more. We need a Savior. See, the standard God was looking for within the laws was perfection, which was and is utterly impossible for humans to accomplish on their own, which is why Jesus came and satisfied not only the wrath of God towards our sin on the cross, but he also fulfilled the law. So those of us that believe, we don't just put our faith in anybody, but believers have faith in an almighty, a sinless, and a perfect savior. That's good news. Thanks for my one clap. And this all leads to what Jesus says last, which is you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I just said that none of us, including me, are perfect. We can't achieve the perfection of the standard God wants. So the question is, well, what is Jesus talking about here? What does he mean when he says, perfect. Perfect here is better translated as whole or mature. So hear me, Jesus is not calling believers to something that is unattainable. So as you work towards it, along the way you become frustrated, like, I can't get it, I can't achieve it, there's no way for me to get to it, that's not what he's doing. But what he's saying is, as the believer strives to follow the Word of God and live according to the Scriptures, what's happening is now you're growing in obedience and becoming more like Jesus. See, in all these statements about anger, about lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, and today, loving your enemies, Jesus is not trying to intensify or change Scripture, but instead he's bringing us back to the true meaning and in doing so saying strive for perfection and live according to what my word says. Don't change it, just obey. But I know with that it's like this question is still lingering. I thought you said we can't fully fulfill all of these laws. I I thought we couldn't live up to it. And I did say that because it's true. But that's true me. It's sobering when you know Jesus. See, see, that truth is what makes belief in Jesus that much more sweeter because Jesus has done all the work on our behalf. He has loved us enough to fulfill the law, all the teachings, and then satisfy the wrath of God towards our sin. See, all of his doings allows the believer to now work and live from a place of freedom, knowing that perfection has already been achieved. So you ask, well then, why, why, why should I live according to the Word of God? If Jesus already fulfilled it, why can't I just do me? Why can't I live the way I want to live, walk the way I want to walk, believe what I want to believe? Why? There's grace. Jesus already fulfilled the law. He already did it for me. Why can't I live that way? Okay, do this for me. I want, to try, I want y'all to do an exercise for me. It, it, Don't close your eyes because you might go to sleep. This this is what I want you to do. I want you to get this, get your deepest desire in your mind, your deepest longing in your mind right now. We all have one. Get that, maybe it's money, a house, that car you always wanted, spouse, that man, that woman. Get it in your mind right now. For my kids in here, I mean, maybe it's that game. Or that toy, or that phone that my girls keep begging me for that they're not gonna get. <laughs> I mean, get that, this, the, the deepest longing in your mind right now. Y'all got it? All right. Now, picture someone gave it to you for free. No strings attached, they gave you ex- your deepest longing to want the thing that you want so much, they gave it to you for free. You don't have to work for it, I did all the work for it. Here you go, it's yours. That house, that car, that woman, that man, they gave you everything you wanted, whatever it was, here you go. Now, although it's free, wouldn't you wanna do everything in your power to try to repay them or thank them? You see, the reason you would do that is because you, were, you realize how loved you've been by them giving you something, your deepest desire, your deepest longing for free. They said, here you go. Hear me, family. So it is even more so with the love of Jesus. The fact that Jesus fulfills all the laws that we couldn't feel, fulfill then dies the death that we were supposed to die on the cross for our sins, y'all. We, we deserve death because of our sins. But now because of Jesus dying, if we believe, we not only have life now, but we get life abundantly, as I said before, eternally with Jesus, with God in heaven forever and ever. No sickness, no pain, no sorrow, none of that. We'll be with him forever and ever. That's why the gospel is good news. That's why what Jesus did for us is good news. Because we didn't deserve it, but he loved us where we are and said, here you go, believe in me, it's free, it's yours good news so hear me as we end Jesus gave it all so that we could have it all and family if we believe and we understand this goodness there's no amount of evil that anyone can do to us To keep us from sharing this love because we realize how loved we have been how much he loved us first friends and let's be like cinderella let's hold on to the words of jesus and let's love people regardless of what they've done to us because we've been loved first amen let's pray father god thank you so much for your goodness You're an awesome God. We give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord Jesus. God, I just ask that you would watch over and keep us, Lord, that we would never forget how much you loved us first. We were undeserving, but God, you said, look, those are my created beings. that's, That's my son. That's my daughter. And so you sent your son, stepped out of heaven, died for us. You made a way for us to be reconciled with you. God, I pray if there's someone here that has not believed or placed their faith in you, God, that they would just call out and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm here. I'm yours. God, I pray for the person that's in here that has found it hard to love that person that's been evil towards them or that's persecuted them, that you'd work in their hearts. Show them how loved they are by you and help them do the same towards others that have wronged them. God, you're a good God. We give you all the glory and the honor. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you
1: we uh-huh. uh-huh.